This is the 2TM News Podcast, thanks to Supersteel. If it's happened in the news over the last week, you'll hear Jack and Tim discuss it right here on the 2TM News Podcast. Thanks to Supersteel Tamworth, providing quality steel products, excellent customer service, along with cutting, bundling and prompt delivery. There's steel and then there's Supersteel. Joining me live in the studio today, we've got Jim Booth, who is the regional manager, I think, Jim, for Flourish, based up there in Marius Street. Yep. Used Senior to be a dry cleaner. Manager. That's it. was the old American dry cleaners, and uh, now the uh, the dry cleaning sign is replaced by the green Flourish sign. And the other gentleman joining me in the studio needs an introduction. I'm not sure how to do it, but um, he's a guy i got a lot of time for, William Priest. Priesty, you've um, started your own vlog. Uh, you've had a few challenges and issues along the way, but... I've always known you as a sports star, and now you've got something to do with Auskick. Uh Yeah, I just recently got the position as uh, development officer for um, the Tamworth region with AFL New South Wales. So yeah, you realise that's an oblong ball, not a round one, mate. Don't yes, you? well, I've, I've spent a few years changing back and forth between the round ball game and the um, AFL, just as I pleased, kind of um, how I felt about the year. But. Yeah, they've given me a start and, you know, I'm just trying to be proactive and get my name out there into the schools and that's what it's all about. It doesn't really matter what sport a child's playing, just that they're out and they're um, outdoors in the sun having some fun. Well, we'll pick up a question we didn't talk about off-air then is sport is a part of um, people's mental health plan. That's a really big thing, is it not? Um, yeah, I'd agree with that. This year is the first season I didn't officially register to play with any club. Um since I was seven years old, and I don't think it's coincidence at all that this year is probably the year that I've suffered the most through mental Ill- with mental illness. Now, we mentioned at the start there that you've got your own vlog going about. How do people access that, and uh, why did you do it? Um, well, I did it just because I had a um, chance meeting with Eddie Betts when I was down in Melbourne a few the weeks. AFL legend. Yeah, AFL legend, yeah. yeah. Um, he was on. He was in Melbourne because he's, he's getting traded back to Carlton from Adelaide and my kids absolutely love him and adore him and I just had a chance meeting with him and he was kind enough to have a quick photo with me and it just really touched me that me feeling so low and feeling that no one cares that here's this AFL superstar on one of the busiest days of his life could just spend 30 seconds just to take a photo with me. It really... Um, touched me and that's kind of why I wanted to start and just to share with people that you know people do care and so if you're looking for it you can obviously find me on Facebook um, William Priest or you can go onto YouTube and type in William Priest or I call the show Talking with Priesty you could type that into YouTube in the search engine there as well. So it's a bit, a bit of a personal confessional I guess then. Yeah it's a bit of a personal confessional and I've obviously um, put the offer out there if anyone wants to come on you know I'd love to um, interview something similar to this what we're doing right now Tim but you know um you know it's a very personal issue for a lot of people so a lot of people reach out and say hey good work keep up the good work but they're less uh, oh they're a bit reluctant to come and share their own story yeah and that's that's a sad thing i really is and i guess that leads to the next question is it hard was it hard for you to accept there is a problem you had a problem oh definitely um it was it was really hard for me to accept um you know, over the years, I've battled with it for a long time and until it got to the point where I could hardly function at all. Um, so, yeah, that's when I really had to seek out a fair bit of help. And what I'm more looking at helping is trying to get people to realise they have a problem before they, ca- um, they're fun- yeah, they can't function and can't even get out of the house. So, you know, that leads us to the next bit of your own story. 
what help do you access? Uh, it's, and are the services you need freely available in Tamworth in a cost-effective way? Well, I wouldn't um, say someone... I had a, a life event where I tried to attempt suicide. Um, it was a very serious event. I, um, attempt. I was very lucky. My liver almost died. Um, you know, I was a very lucky boy. And then from that, um, you know, I've obviously gone into the system a little bit. Um, for the most, there's good points and bad points. I don't know if we um, can get into time about everything. Um, but yeah, that's how I that's how I found the system. And at the moment, I'm seeing some people at Thrive, a psychologist up there. She's really helpful. And um, yeah. Uh, my GP's always been really helpful, but yeah, like I said, there's there are problems within the system itself. Well, that probably brings us to you, Jim. I mean, you you, you you've had a, an interesting career. You know, you've been everywhere: politics, radio. <laughs> uh, I don't know, selling used cars, been at farm events, and all the rest of it. You are now in, the man running Flourish, as far as I'm concerned. We'll leave it at that. Powerful, positive name. Um, where did that come from? So we used to be Richmond PRA, which was a merger of two previous organisations that have been around since the sort of 50s, 60s, 70s. Used to confuse me, let me tell you. Yeah, exactly, and it did, and people thought you were from Richmond or it was something to do with the Richmond report into mental health back in the 80s. And the organisation realised they, they had to have a name that reflected what they did. So you can't say, you know, mental health are us. So they put it out to the, to the people we support and the name Flourish came up and was suggested. And some people, they say, where do you work? And I tell them, they think, oh, that's a nursery. So, well, actually, it is. It's a, it's a nursery, basically, for people. So it's people, a good point, though, isn't yeah. it? Because you give people the opportunity, they can, like, you nurture them yep. through. Yep. They can either come back as a, yep. as a really good member of our community or a strong positive in the workforce. Yep. So it's a term that's used a lot in mental health. So when someone is, is doing well, they are flourishing. Mm. And it is, as I say, like a nursery. It's like a, you're on your own stem, you're flowering, uh, you might be perennial and you have a bad time and then you come back again. Um, and, and there's support around you. There's someone, you know, tending in the garden, as it might be. But but we, we provide supports, but for people to do it themselves. Yeah. And we hear Priesty's story a lot. Yeah, well, you would. I mean, and I guess that's the next obvious question is why do you need to exist? And I guess that's that answers it, doesn't it, really? There are people, that's the barbecue stopper that I always get asked. There are so many reasons. Um, one of the principal ones is that we are basically a tribal creature. Um, we are fraternal and we like to be around each other and social isolation is the biggest problem that we face for people. Uh, so if you can get people to, to come together, so it might be the people that we support who are in programs, sometimes 24-7 programs, or it could be um, even just farmers getting together in the current drought mm. uh, and supporting each other, talking to e- each other, and recognising when someone is not faring so well and making sure there's some early intervention there and not waiting until we get to that, that point where it's so low that you do end up in in the emergency department or in Banksia Mental Health Unit here uh, and have to go through some rehabilitation for a while before people like us then step in and give you those daily supports to be able to keep you sustained in the community. Mm-hmm. And that's the basic aim of, of the work that we do. So would you say, you know, with the current, we've got some horrific fires. I mean, yep. um, well documented. We've had a two or three year drought depending on who you are and how, how you want to accept that uh, has it got worse during this time or has it just been highlighted more 
I think it's been highlighted more and governments are always slow to act. We, we would always like to see funding come faster. Sorry, what did you say? Early, <laughs> early intervention. <laughs> it, it's, I suppose government always waits until the need is, is fairly stressed. Um, but we're always is out there the pushing. Wheel syndrome? It, it is, uh, but it's also part of our responsibility to feed back in as to what we're noticing and where there is where there is change. We we saw the drought coming. Um, I'm fortunate, I suppose. I'm the son of a farmer, so I've I've been there and done that. And that's it was a drought essentially in the 1980s that drove me off the land and, and into journalism, and then fell into into this work. Um, so it's it's about recognising what what is coming at you and having sufficient funding to be able to do something about it and to support people. But the issues are seeming to increase. Um, Isolation is one. Um, The emergence of cheap drugs, particularly ice, is another. Um, And when I say cheap, say in comparison to to alcohol, which has been around for for centuries, for decades, Mm. forever, ever since we learned to distill or brew. But uh, so some of the other stuff, let's just be real. It has. I don't think some of the chemicals I get... But the, some of the yep. other drugs have been around for a very, very long yep. time. Oh, we, we talk about the chemicals used in, in First and Second Wars, but I think the ice is... We know have been around exactly, for, a long for longer, yeah. Um, ice is relatively cheap, uh, can be made by people who are not very well qualified. And the dangerous thing, if, if we go out and smoke some weed, we've got a pretty fair idea of what will happen, but you don't know how ice will affect people and it... it I'm not a clinician, I'm not, not a scientist, but effectively it, it wrecks neural pathways. Mm. So it wrecks the way that your brain can function. And who knows who can get away with it as a recreational drug and who is going to end up totally messed up and, and sometimes non, non-functional. But it's quite cheap compared to going and buying a slab of beer. And that's, that's the battle. So, Presti, come, come back to you. Like, you know, Jim's mentioned a few things there. Alcohol is one option. Um, What's the biggest challenge for you? What was what was the the way you tried to deal with the issue? Um, well, I was a binge drinking alcoholic, and also um, had really big issues with gambling. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd run off if I was having problems at home or whatever. Because there's a certain yeah anonymous. If you're in a TAB or yeah. you're down at the track or sitting at a poke machine, no one's ever going to come and um, talk to you or bother you. Um, so, yeah, there's a certain anonymity there that, uh, you know, people find. Yeah. Um, and it's just interesting to hear someone say ice, which is an illegal drug, mm. but you've got something that's gambling and most people wouldn't associate with mental health. Yeah. That's legal. And, um, you know, take drinking, for instance. If I go into a pub and I drink too much, they're going to kick me out under RSA laws. i ask you to leave. Yeah, exactly. That, that's, yeah. They're going to ask you to leave. As an old licensee, yeah. I just thought I'd put that. So, but if I go into the pub, start putting hundreds to the pokies, I keep going back to the machine, back to the machine, tell the machine to get more and more money out. Mm. Legally, they can't say anything, even though they see you getting more and more distressed. Unless um, you ask for help. Unless you ask for help. Yeah. And, I just, and I, the argument is, is that, well, if I come up to you and say, well, you're gambling too much, you're going to blow about it. Mm. But if you come up to me and say, I've drunk too much, what's going to happen? The exact same thing. So I can't quite understand or distinguish the difference between the two. Yeah, well, both of them give a fair revenue stream to government as far as taxes go. But gambling tax is right up there. Having been around that licensed trade for a, a very long time, 
um, the Diagnostic Statistics Manual 4, I think, has a definition yep. of problem gambling, and it gives you some of the clues as to what you're looking for. All the staff are educated in that space, pretty much, with a, an RCG certificate, but the positive that the staff will always say to you, we're not allowed to do anything. Exactly. We're not allowed to refuse help if you say, I need help, yeah. but until you come to us, yeah. and you're right, you know, with alcohol, we go the other way around and we yeah. say, please leave. Yeah, and it, it's an offence if you don't. Yeah, trying to work that out. the The stigma of of the issues that we've talked about. Do they, in your experience, do they stop you from finding employment? No. Well, I recently um, I, I removed myself from a former work environment. I wasn't I wasn't happy there, um, and you know it took me a little while. But um, you know I'm just become I've got two jobs now, um, both casual, but. I'm in a much safer space mentally, so it wasn't an issue in regards to me um, finding work. Probably was a little bit of um, issue in the hunger to find it, in the drive to find it straight after removing myself from uh, my, my previous employer. But in terms of, I think most um, employers are live in the 20th century or 21st century and are well, well aware of some of the mental health issues out there. So would you, would you say now that the employers in general uh, are more accepting and they help you work through those issues, help you stay in employment? Yes, I think so. Like even my um, previous employer, once I went to them and, and had a problem, they were pretty good in regards to, look, if you need some time off, um, you know, just come and tell us. Um, <clears throat> or, you know, and they helped rearrange some of my hours and stuff like that. But just the it was just an environment that I just... I just wasn't comfortable in anymore and just had to remove myself from that um, that sector, yeah. And, and that's obviously a big step going forward is, is that, like, identifying the problem and saying, this is not healthy, I need to be somewhere else. Is, is that a fair... Oh, it was a massive step. You know, I've got a, a wife and two children, you know, it was unskilled labour um, job that I was doing, but, you know, I was earning around $70,000 a year, unskilled labour. You're not going to find um, much better money than that. Mm. And also... I'm a 35-year-old man, not qualified to do anything. To remove yourself is, you know, very, very scary. Yeah, well, throw back to Jim. I think you're probably qualified as a peer worker um, yes. in, in, in your space, yeah? Mm. So one of the things that um, Flourish as an organisation consciously did was try to develop a peer workforce. So the peer is, just like Priesty, someone who has had a lived experience of a mental health issue, that's the, the way we term it, yeah. and is prepared to actually wear that on their sleeve and, and talk to others openly, as you're doing right here today, about that and not necessarily tell them how to manage or run their lives, but to be able to bounce. Because, um, for instance, our, our peer workers, someone can say, I'm really depressed at the moment, something's really wrong, you wouldn't understand. They can say, well, actually, I do. I've been there, I've done that. And they are the often a great inspiration. So we, we've got a peer workforce across the organisation in excess of 200 people. Yeah. There's, a, there's a thousand employees in the organisation. We have a number of peer workers here in Tamworth and Armadale, Inverell, Moree, Canada, Glenninus, that's our, all our offices. Yep. Um, but we also look at people with a lived experience of a mental health issue and the stats will tell us, tell us that one in five, 20% of the population is suffering an issue at this point in time. So if there's five of you sitting in a room right now, one of you, by rights, will be suffering from some sort of loss, depression, grief, anxiety, right up to the, the fully diagnosed um, stuff. And we know that that, that 
that affects workplaces. We know that that um, affects individuals. And we've actually gone out and consciously chased people to employ who have a lived experience. And the organisation's now running just short of 60% of, of all of our, our staff. So it's interesting when I do a job interview, mm. I might say, why did you apply for this job at Flourish Australia and what, what qualifies you? And sometimes people's head w- will drop and, and they'll, they'll want to say something and they'll, they'll feel a bit embarrassed. So I generally open it by saying, here's the stats, mm. 200 peer workers, over 50% lived experience. And so suddenly it becomes a different question. Yeah. We actually want you and your experience because that qualifies you as much as a piece of paper. Well, it's what you see as a barrier Correct. is actually a bonus. Correct. Correct. It's a, it's a bonus. Being a peer worker is on top of your mental health qualifications, say so your psych degree, your mental health cert for something like that. It, it allows you to add something else that um, – Myself, without a peer experience, I, I can't say I've been there and done that. I don't know. You were in politics and radio. I mean, I, uh, anyway, <laughs> we, we won't. Uh, I've been close. That's a humorous. That's a humorous. Yes. Slant on yes. a well. Uh, but, but, but it's okay. Yeah. We we can do that, and we can be lighthearted. Yeah. Because in the past, stigma would have stopped you from ever asking that question. Absolutely. So, so the stigma is reducing. It's there. But it is reducing, and I think employers are starting to realise that as well. Well, that was the intent of, of showcasing it through this, because we've talked the drought now. We've yep. had like 25, 26 of these shows, and the last 15 or 16, we've focused on the drought and things around it. But there's always positives that come out of it, and some of the positives are the learning experience uh, you know, of a prestige vlog. Mm. Um, and I guess now, going forward, is people are going to have to start again, So, and, and they're going to have issues from fires, from drought, and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Are you finding employers and the general community are being more accepting now of said issues? Bit by bit, yes, and and that's consciously why I, I talked to you some years ago when you were yep. Business Chamber President and we've now for five years presented the Mental Health Recovery Award at the Business Award. Great initiative, yours and ours. I, I think we did very well. Yep. Uh, that's enough. Um, but will be back-slapping publicly later. <laughs> <laughs> it's about raising the, the profile of mental health issues that it's okay to talk about, and employers should expect that in their workplace, but often they're afraid to do something about it. So we actually have um, – we, we can go and do talks about uh, mental health in the workplace, and some of the big corporates uh, are doing that. Um, if only because they, it's so difficult to get new staff. They want to keep the staff they've got. They want to keep their staff well and keep them productive. Mm. But the other side is, is the work cover issue. Um, in addition to slip strips and falls, um, the work cover people will, will tell you that um, workers comp for mental health strains, bullying uh, and the like is becoming quite prominent. So employers need to be on the on the watch for that as well and there's an obligation for the employer to to recognize when someone's becoming unwell it used to be the um the old um sexual harassment was probably yep. the leading issue in the workplace but now i think the, the bullying has has come a bit further C- forward certainly yeah. has and, and people now understand that this this is an issue and you can make a claim you should not expect that in the in the workplace it's quite okay for you to to speak up and uh, there are some big big claims some big payouts out there and and um we our, our education shows that for every dollar an employer spends learning about mental health and doing something about it in the workplace can return two dollars thirty Back to that business, so there's a very positive return for knowing and doing something about maintaining mental health in your workplace. Well, that's like back in a five to four winner. It is. Now, the realize. I don't know, that's why I come back to Priest. The realization that you had an issue and you 
I mean, there comes a time where you draw a line in the sand, I assume. Uh, having not been there, I'm you know, asking the question genuinely. Uh, when you've drawn the line in the sand, how important is it that family hop on board and you've got that support network around yourself? Oh, it's very important. My wife, like really all the things I've put her through you, over the years, um, she had no real rhyme or reason to stay, mm. but she has. And, you know, I'm so thankful now because hopefully in the future she's starting to see just a better me and um, we'll have a better family environment so she's invested in in that relationship and you've now come to realize that it's a a good opportunity oh yeah for sure um definitely lisa yeah lisa yeah Yeah, yeah. that's my wife um got two boys thomas and edward you know and and just kind of seeing how difficult it has been on uh, Lisa especially. The kid's lucky young enough. Thomas might, he he's nine, so I think he picks up on a few things. But just to see the, the difficulty I've put Lisa through, like that's someone you love. And we've had some real difficult conversations this year and just to see the emotion and pain on her face is something, you know, personally, I'd rather see myself suffer than, you know, someone that I love, yeah. if that makes sense. So, yeah, it's... it's um, Having family and someone you can trust around you, is, there's nothing more important. Because the, the illness in general, I'll throw you both into it, is, is um, it, come, it come from anything. I mean, binge drinking, binge eating, drug and alcohol abuse we've talked about. Um, I personally believe that tobacco falls into the frame here as well. Um, you guys may disagree with that. Uh, phones and gaming situations like that all falls into it. And you've also got, you know, the, then the added pressure of, of fires and drought. And the other one, as I get older, I start to work out, um, is as you transition to retirement or as you cease work, it, it, this whole, your social structure goes. You lose all those little yes. nice networks you had and you have to start again and you've got no friends mm. sometimes. Well, well, just one of the things I noticed was, I quit my employment, so I went down to Centrelink. And how someone who's worked their whole entire life till they're um, 60 or 65 years old can Thanks then walk in there and um, they point you in the direction over a computer that you might not have any idea how to use and they ask you for all these different types of evidence that you have no idea how to get a hold of. Like I'm 35 and I think, you know, I'm, I'm okay, pretty useful on a computer and I found the scenario almost impossible to deal with. So how someone who's worked their whole life, you know, as a brickie or on the farm or whatever and can go into there and try and apply for the pension or whatever, it would be almost impossible. It's the stigma, Jim. You, you, know, you feel that sometimes that people get to, you know, you don't have to be 35, you don't have to be 15. You can all of a sudden be 60 and you go, my world's changed. What What is next? Yes, as you, you reach that silver-haired stage that you and I are in, you, you start to think about it. And I, 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 talk, I talk to people and, and it's about having something to do and it's that same old word again, socialisation. Yeah. And, and that's why um, various groups like men's sheds, probus groups, the, the miniature railway that I'm involved with here in, the, uh, in, in Tamworth, maybe I'm preparing for my future. Uh, and they get together and they'll sit down and have a yarn. There's a lot of hot air with something. model railways. I there think. is. Yeah. There is. I see where you're is. going with that. Yeah. yeah. I see that. <laughs> <Just> steaming up. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting time and some of the... 
the suicide rates uh, are increasing across Australia, but amongst older men is, is one of the, the areas of major concern. People might think it's, it's the younger people, mm. um, but older men um, lost uh, not knowing what to do. That those structures disappear. So it's about making sure you've got, got some structure and, and building that before you, maybe you dive out the door and um, take the take the pen. Well, I think, you know, and the other thing we, we talked about here, I think Jared and I talked a couple of weeks ago, we found um, an article, I think it was Larissa Waters brought to the forefront, um, a lady involved with an organisation, and she focused on an after-fire events or that, that um, the innuendo was that rural firefighters go home and there's domestic violence. Oh, oh. Um, it's a catastrophic oh. event. Yes, I guess proof is that research says there is an increase, but it's not necessarily one group on another group. It's a catastrophic event. Would that be fair to say that a catastrophic event could be either way? Yeah, it's actually one of the major differences between, even though we're facing both at the moment, drought and fire. Yeah. So, so drought is that long, slow, insidious yeah. thing that just builds and builds and builds, but people have time to talk or think about it. The fire is like the sudden death in the family. Mm. So to, this morning I woke up, something was happening, the world was okay. Uh, tonight um, my, my farm is lost, my house is lost, my sheds are burned, my cattle are dead. Um, and so it's then people go through these stages of, of grief where they might be angry, they might be teary, they might become resilient and say fire and flood and famine is all part of Australian life and we'll just plough through it, but people will spin between all those those various areas as they, as they go. And it's about, it's about even where Priest was talking about the, the gambling, it's about contemplating when I need to make some change. And you obviously came to that point, and yeah, thank God your wife stuck to you, but it's um, that, that stage of contemplation. It's the same with um, drugs, alcohol, even recognising that, that you might have a mental health issue and then be prepared to do something about it. But do you think communities actually, or society, has accepted all this electronic gaming that we have and we're actually encouraging people to play one-on-one? or to play one-on-one with a computer, or play one-on-one with someone I don't even know, somewhere else in the world? There's good and bad to it, um, as with anything. The good is that some of the information is there at hand. You can go and read Priesty's blog, and I I can wake up at 3 o'clock tomorrow morning grinding my teeth. Uh, I can ring Lifeline, and they'll be be there, Mm -hmm. but I can just pick up my phone or my iPad, and I can tap something in, and, and there are... People out there, and again around the world, different time zones, people who will talk to you, uh, people who can offer advice, even if you just want to read websites mm-hmm. or blogs. Yeah. So there is, there's a silver lining to that cloud. The other side is the pressure to keep up. There's what they call FOMO, the, that fear of missing out. Yeah. I've, I've got to keep up with everyone. It used to be the Joneses. Yeah. Now it's just FOMO, uh, not SCOMO. And, and so you've got, to, you've got to keep up. And there's the, there's the pressure on, on people. And it's, it's one of the reasons that we see people have issues because they've tried to keep up and and it's become too much for them. Percy, would you, what's your take on Well, it? just as um, I've got two young children and um, they they just love watching other people play Minecraft on YouTube, kids. It does my head in. I, I, I don't quite understand it. But it's just um, a different society we live in for, as opposed to when we were all growing up. Like, I, I can never barely remember spending an afternoon inside my own house as a child. Mm. I was always at someone else's house at soccer training, playing a game of footy or whatever. Um, 
and just I think society's changed and it's probably the generation after mine that started, you know, with the gaming, etc. And now it just flows on to the everyday life. One thing um, I would say is we just talked about um, FOMO and I'm a person who has a massive fear of missing out and I haven't been on, I think that's why me just recently joining up on Facebook it's kind of uh, helpful for me because now I'm connecting with all my um, friends without the need to say, hey, let's go and meet at the pub and have a few beers. I can chat to them over Messenger or on Facebook, see what's going on with their lives. So there's there's positives and negatives, okay. just like anything in life, I assume. We always like to get to know a little bit more about our guests. So um, here we go, fast five, or it might be a slow five, I've got no idea. Uh, you're not allowed to flip any of the questions, right? <laughs> if we gave you the opportunity to host a dinner party for three others and yourself, uh, dead or alive, uh, who would they be? And uh, I'll ask you both, but we'll start with Jim. Uh, the, the easy answer would be to say the three of you in, here in the room, that'd be easy. But but I, I'm a bit Thanks, of Kevin. a... <laughs> 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 I'm a bit of a, a studier of, um, of war and conflict. I hated history at school, but I've, be, I've come to love it, and the History Channel is my favourite. I would love if I could sit down with Winston Churchill and see what, what drove him... You didn't listen to my um, answers to this question, did you? Did I, no, you, we see on your yeah, on your it was list. on mine, yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone chooses Nelson Mandela uh, as a man who, oh, who two. went yeah, through, through <laughs> some terrible get the third one. things. Um, yeah, I, I, I was struggling with the, with the third. Um, I suppose... Um, I've always found I have to go back to the politics. Someone like John Howard, quite quite particularly yeah, no, interesting. Missed, you missed out missed there. That one. Yeah. As a person who was able to put his finger on the pulse of society that that made him the second longest serving prime minister, versus Menzies, who was who was the brilliant speaker. So um, there. You are. So Priesty. Um, yeah, that, that's very interesting. Take mine's probably a bit different. Um, so when I grew up, I was a um, and still am a massive Cronulla Sharks fan, and I just absolutely loved David Peachy. So I'd love to meet um, David Peachy, and he's, um, you know, very um, helpful in the Indigenous community yeah. as well and some of the things he's done. So I'd love to have David Peachy. Um, Tom Hardy, the actor, yeah. um, British actor, you know, I think he's once-in-a-generation type actor as well. And I'm thinking maybe a 1980s Eddie Murphy for a bit of humour at the table. Um, you know, he's, he's gone a bit wild. He's gone off in recent two decades, I'd say, but a 1980s Eddie Murphy at the table, you'd get some pretty good humour there. So That's, a, that's not bad. That's, that's, a, very that's a very different take. Yeah. It is, actually. Uh, what, what, what would this meal be of, Priesty? What, what would you feed them? Well, for me, oh, I love nothing more, and I'm going to give the pub here a bit of a plug. The pub out there on... Um, Gunnedah Road, they do the best specials around um, Tamworth, so I just get them up there to the pub and have a feed up there. Of the, something off the specials board. I'm not much of a cook myself, unless you want sausages. Yeah, no, no, no thanks. Well, I won't be there anyway. Yeah. James? No one in my house likes pork, so I, if I can get a pork belly or pork chops or something, if I have to cook by myself, I'll, I'll go to the butchery and get some pork chops and chuck a bit of apple sauce and a bit of um, bit of curry or something on them. Uh, and there's a restaurant here in Tamworth uh, of an Italian name that does some of the best pork belly um, around. Well, you can mention Carmen's. Yeah, that's they, it. They have a that's relationship it. with us. We're, we're cool with Carmen's. Okay. We're cool with us. I used to work in the ABC, so I'm always cautious. <laughs> <laughs> You know what they called it, the ABC? Uh, tell me. 
Well, because they couldn't get past C in the alphabet. But anyway, um, what kind of music would you guys play at this dinner party, James? We'll start with you and go backwards the other way now. Um, I'm a big fan of people, and this is weird, with whom I share initials, JB. Um, James Jackson, Brown. Jackson Brown. Yeah. James Brown would do. Yeah. Jimmy Buffett, Jimmy Barnes. But the one band that I will never get to see that I have missed out on, and if I could bring them back, would be Dire Straits. I'd just love to see Mark Knopfler get into those guitars. Well, see, there's a bit of a conflict there for you with Money for Nothing. And, That's yeah, it. Such a, yeah, we won't even go there. <laughs> Priestie, uh, what kind of music would you be playing? Well, I like all different kinds of music, but probably my favourite of all time is ACDC. So if you get them there playing... I Why know, isn't that surprising? <laughs> uh, you know, for some reason, up, I'm not grew surprised. Up with it. Um, you know, Ice House is another good band that I grew up with yeah. and, and Queen and things, um, bands like that, so... Ice House must that. start out as flowers, if I remember Correct. correctly. Yeah, yeah. So um, I've been around a long time. <laughs> and if you're going to go on holiday, mate, you're going to take Lisa away and the kids. Where uh, would you go? Foster. I've never had a bad time in Foster, so Foster's the place to go over at the beach there. And now there's places where Jim Booth is barred from, but where, where <laughs> yeah, would you go yeah, back there, to if you could? There are a few. Well, I actually have a, a brother who um, also did not stay on the farm, left in a drought, and works with horses. Um, he's very lucky. Smart he, man. He, <laughs> he gets kicked every now and then. Um, he's lucky he's bought a farm in the last 18 months in Bordeaux. He's married a French lady. He's running an online business over there. And, and you just, I only get to see him every year or so. So we do tend to get fairly messy when we when we catch up. My wife likes to sort of be away. Yeah, they make wine in Bordeaux. Uh, exactly. Just, yeah, just, yeah. just down the road. Saint-Emilion. It's, it's beautiful red um, Bordeaux-style Merlots. So... Um, uh-huh. That's that's and I'm actually just looking at the, talking to the travel agent at the moment about about the tickets. <sighs> Jeez, seriously, <laughs> guys, thanks very much. Mic off now. <laughs> uh, th- thanks very much for joining us today, Priesty. Um, good luck with the vlog. Um, happy to give you a bit of a, a plug this morning because I think you're doing an amazing job within that space. And Jim, your organisation um, has always been around someone we pointed people to so yep. you guys when we're talking about the current environment what's going to happen in the future in the past thanks for taking the time Jeez, thanks, thanks tim. tim thanks 2tm and that is our 2tm news podcast all thanks to super still tamworth